0: Skull Rock Podcast is brought to you by the generosity of the following companies. Shure, sound extraordinary. To podcasters, recording musicians, and streamers who are looking for studio quality audio at home or on the road, the Shure MV7 Podcast Kit is a premium all-in-one solution inspired by the legendary Shure SM7B and is designed to address the versatility required by modern creators. For more on the Shure MV7 podcast kit, visit shure.com, S-H-U-R-E.com, or click the link in our show notes. Shure, sound extraordinary. And by The Old Mill Press, publishing beautifully crafted books that illuminate our world. To learn more, visit theoldmillpress.com. And by listeners like you.
1: This is animator Randy Cartwright, and you are listening to the Skull Rock Podcast.
2: Skull Rock Podcast, talking all things Disney with your hosts, L. John Go and Dave
0: Bossert. Happy New Year, and welcome back to yet another edition of Skull Rock Podcast, the show about all things Disney and pop culture. Where we take you behind the scenes of some of your favorite Disney films, theme park attractions, books, performances, music, as well as what's streaming and what's in theaters. I'm Al John Go, musician, Disney fan, and pop culturist, and you can email me, John, at skullrockpodcast.com.
2: And I'm Dave Bossert, artist, filmmaker, and author. And welcome to this special edition of the Skull Rock Podcast. This New Year's Day, 2024. Uh, you can uh, email me at Dave at SkullRockPodcast dot Al, John, Happy New Year! Happy
0: New Year, Dave. I hope you had uh, a great holiday. Um, man, that's a lot of a lot of presents, a lot of gifts, a lot of wrapping. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my gosh it, it, it's crazy isn't it, it is. uh it's been a fantastic week Great. uh and uh we're doing a, something a little different uh today uh we're doing a uh a, a, a more brief uh intro and outro to our normal podcast interview but today we have a very special guest we have a uh, master animator and disney legend andreas deja coming back to us uh here at the skull rock podcast he's a previous guest we've had a multi-part interview with him about his career. But today we're going to talk about a passion project of his, a short film called Mushka. Awesome. Uh, And it's a 28 minute short film. So it's a little bit longer than what you would consider a short film. Some people think a short film is six or seven minutes. But actually with Academy, uh, with the Motion Picture Academy, uh, a short film is defined as being under, I think it's 45 or 40 minutes. Okay. Um, And uh, Andreas uh, spent 10 years doing this short film uh, called Mushka. And it's a beautiful uh, story. And uh, the thing I would say is that, you know, last week we, we had John Musker on because he did his short film, which really was a short film. It was under five minutes. Uh, and he made the shortlist. Unfortunately, Andres didn't make the shortlist uh, for Academy consideration. But, you know, he's such a great guy. And uh, he, he said, whether I make it or not, You know, this is the film I wanted to make because uh, you don't make these films uh, for awards. You make these films because they're passion projects, because there are stories you want to tell. Yes. And we have we have this wonderful interview with him.
0: Well, that's great. I mean, once again, another Disney legend on the program. And it's just great whenever we can have someone like Andreas not just appear on the show, but appear multiple times on the show and to talk about it so uh let's delve right in shall we with the disney legend andreas deja right here on skull rock podcast Let's do it.
2: Well, Al, John, we're back again with our friend Andreas Deja, the Disney legendary animator uh, known for Scar in Lion King and Jafar in Aladdin and so many others, Gaston uh, in Beauty and the Beast, uh, so many great uh, characters. Uh, Andreas, welcome back to the Skull
1: Rock podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me back. Thank you. And, you know, this
2: is I, – I I was looking forward to doing this uh, interview with you again because we're only going to talk about a, a, a real passion project of yours, a short film called Mushka. And uh, I, I saw it screened in the theater. You were kind enough to invite me to. Nancy and I saw it screened uh, down on Wilshire Boulevard a number of months ago. But I'd like you to tell our listeners what mm-hmm. Mushka is – and how it came about
1: well it's uh it's a short film even though it's not so short (laughs) it's probably what we would call a featurette uh it's 28 and a half minutes long including the title i mean the the end credits um yeah it's uh, it's a passion project Uh, it took a while to make and i can get into that a little bit more what the reason for that is Uh, well partially the the length of course but uh it started way back when I found uh, myself being on my own after 30 years at Disney. And uh, uh, I tried to keep myself busy with various things. I did a commercial for nationwide insurance, a 2D commercial. I did uh, 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 one term of teaching at uh, USC. Um, and uh, But ultimately, I needed I needed to get back into animation and need to have a project that I could get my teeth into. So I thought, okay, what would that, what could that project be? And then I basically just asked myself a series of questions that got me on this path. And it started out with, what do I like to draw most? Well, I love drawing animals. And that really comes from, from one particular incident when, when I was a kid, as I mentioned earlier on in your podcast, uh, uh, and I wrote a letter to the studio, to Disney's, how can I become an animator sometime in the future? What tips can they give me? And one, one particular item that they mentioned to me way back was uh, you have to know how to draw animals. You have to go to the zoo and sketch regularly. So I took that very seriously. And, uh, and to this day, I still do this. Uh, it never really left me. Studying animals is really a passion of mine. And so then the next question was, OK, what kind of animal would be fun to animate that I haven't animated yet? And I thought, well, I've always been in love with tigers. They're just the most magnificent animals. And uh, I thought I have some experience with big cat anatomy from from Lion King. I can transfer that into this project. Uh, But who could I pair this tiger character with? And maybe an innocent little girl who finds him when he's a cub and he's in peril and she she raises him. And um, as um, as he grows and becomes almost an, an adult, uh the girl finds out that uh there are some bad people around the two of them who want to kill the tiger and uh, sell him sell the dead body because a tiger is worth a lot of money a dead tiger is worth a lot of money and uh and then maybe in order to save her tiger she would rush and take him back into the forest where she found him as a cub and she hopes that maybe there he would uh, become a wild tiger away from humans and and that's really all I had, and that's not really a story yet. That's uh, that's an idea.
2: Yeah, but, I mean uh, that's a that's a story idea, right? Uh, and, but it was an original story idea.
1: It was, yeah. Um, uh, I there was another project that uh, uh, I had my eye on that there would be a book based on a book, uh, a best-selling book, also an animal-human story. And uh, it just became too complicated because of the, of the ownership of that book, and I thought, well, I I don't want to really deal with that. Uh, I just I'm just going to create my own. Yeah. Let's do the tiger and 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 the girl, and um, and then. But me not coming from story and not having really story experience, uh, having been an animator at, at Disney for all those years, uh, you know, you know, you have to know what your shortcomings are, and then you reach out for help. Yeah. it's just as simple as that, and. Uh, a friend of mine who I've known for a long time, he uh, helped me with decorating my home, and uh, but he also writes novels, he writes poetry, music, uh, he does architecture, just any, anything artistic. He has always worked for himself, so I thought he's the right guy because uh, he would have no conventions yeah. for helping me out with fleshing this into a story. So he ended up, uh, his name is Michael McKinney, and he ended up uh, turning this idea uh, into a screenplay, and, um, and I was surprised when I read it because, you know, coming from Disney, I had, I had kind of a comedy in mind with gags and all of this, and, and it could have gone that way, of course, but Mike, Michael gave me this sort of novel that had some melancholy to it, and uh, uh, he added characters that I hadn't even thought of. Uh, all of a sudden, the girl was raised by her grandmother, because she has an estranged father who works in Siberia and, you know, I mean, there were all, all these extra elements, but it really it felt like a solid novel. And uh, I thought, well, I won't get a laugh every five seconds, but that's okay. I, I just like the tone of this. Yeah, Let's yeah. commit to it and, and do this. And, and when,
2: when you decided to go down that road, and, and I really want our listeners to understand, this is a big undertaking to, to do your own film and and you spent and, and correct me if i'm i'm wrong but you spent 10 years making this right
1: just, so, just about 10 years yeah
2: yeah and, and obviously got a lot of work done during the pandemic
1: yeah i mean the pandemic really didn't change our workflow because the few people who helped us and there really weren't many but the few people who helped us uh, all were freelancers working from home anyways so yeah. nobody had who who kept on helping us had to leave uh, their home and uh e- e- expose themselves everybody stayed at home and kept on working um on on the project but the the main reason why this took so long is uh because our crew remained so small yeah i'm talking about the animation crew the 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 background crew i mean i'm just going to spill it out 80 to 85 percent of all the backgrounds were painted by one background person, and that's Natalie Przinskyoni karp and that's just unheard of. Right, eighty to eighty-five percent. I mean, that's I don't even know how many how many backgrounds that, that is. Mm-hmm. But uh, so she was a strong pillar for me, and I call her my super woman or superhero because uh, I, I just couldn't have done this uh, without her.
2: And I was going to say, I mean, Natalie's a seasoned animation professional. You know, you and I both have worked on many films uh, that she was on. Uh, So she knew what she was doing.
1: I was just so lucky that she had time for me. But uh, like uh, most of the artists or all of the artists who helped out, it was a come and go situation because they all had other jobs often to, to uh, uh, go back to. And then there would be a few weeks um, of a pause and they came back to Mushka, and So it was very much a come and go. Um, and um, I was a little naive as, as far as um, assembling a crew going into this because I, I thought I knew so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, they can still do this kind of animation. I just asked them and they're going to help me out. I mean, my pay will be good uh I, I don't mind uh, paying well because i respect talent and uh, but guess what everybody was busy with other stuff you know their own projects and then and, and so forth so i never really assembled my dream crew my dream team and in terms of animation i ended up animating most of it myself which really wasn't my first choice because i like other animators input and their personal styles and have to be part of the mix and, and but, that's how uh, and that's we, how that's how you worked yeah, all, exactly. All those
2: years at Disney because you'd be a supervising animator but you'd have four or five other animators that were working in your unit, right? right? And so you had that Yeah. It
1: was always a, it was always a sizable team and I uh, thought well that's what it's going to be but um it turned out that now I have in Mushka More animation footage than I ever had in any of the films I worked on at Disney. Mm-hmm. Uh just by 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 the nature of how how we made this but then it's it's off, it's also more of a personal statement it's more of me in there yeah. and it's so funny the second person told me this today uh uh just a brief statement after having seen the film they said well it's so you you know <laughs> and i said what do you mean and i said well i know you this person said i i i know you and what you like and you like uh, the the disney xerox films from the 1960s and 70s that have all these black outlines that were sketchier and because I mentioned that I uh, grew up on those films, and I wanted to recreate that feeling of looseness and and uh, having a sketchy feel uh, to uh, to my film, also to differentiate myself from all these realistic uh, CG films that are out there. I thought it would be a nice contrast yeah. to create. And,
2: and, and that style speaks to the hand of the artist. The viewer gets to see the hand of the artist up there on the screen. I, yeah, you
1: know. I I I keep saying the same thing that that was my goal to have my handwriting basically on the screen because these are really my drawings; these are not assistant drawings. Right. So that was that was really important to me. I and mean, that's
2: very much like jung- uh, Jungle Book.
1: Yeah, you know? and, and it was done at Disney way back. You I mean you know this, Dave. Uh, the first one they did uh, in their technique was 101 Diamations, because they had to come up with something to save money after Sleeping Beauty which was the last one to be all carefully inked and painted on on the cells. And uh, they said, we have to, we have to simplify the process. And then uh, it was up. iWorks who came up with the idea to not ink those uh, drawings anymore on, on the cells, but just photocopy them, photocopy the animators drawings and let's go at it. And, uh, yeah. and that's what they did. And uh, <clears throat> luckily the film, Story-wise, of course, turned out to be excellent, but also it was a huge hit, and it's still a classic. Yeah. So people people did accept this new, if you want to call it, Disney style. You know, yeah. You know, away from the the lush, uh, fully rendered, to something that looks more sketchy, uh, which I gravitated to, and yeah. so that's why Mushka looks the way.
2: and and, you know i i would say that disney has evolved over the decades because they went from that sort of european book uh illustration look of snow white and and pinocchio and bambi that period you know you get down to uh alice in wonderland and cinderella you start to get into that more graphic look uh which carried through the 1950s to some degree you know and and then the 60s i guess you could kind of define as being a little bit loose or sketchier
1: mm-hmm. yeah i mean these artists they were uh, all influenced also by um modern art you know they yeah. like like i said in the, in the early days they looked at uh, books with all children's book illustrations whether it's arthur rackham you know with very muted color palettes and then by the time we get into the 50s it's all technicolor you know the colors are a lot brighter and more cheery yeah. And uh, and then uh, we, we go to the 60s, and then we find influence of Picasso and uh, Ronald Searle, uh, you know, who all were very strong line artists. There were ab- ab- abstractions that were incorporated in the characters and the background that had, had never been done before. So, yeah, like you said, Disney changed. And Yeah, uh, da- Salvador like, Dali. Salvador Dali's another one, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, he, he, when I look at Salvador or think about Salvador Dali, he – that really influenced disney's background style i mean all the way in alice in wonderland yeah uh, alice I, see wonderland. So much, I see so much Dali in that film absolutely uh, so yeah these guys and i know this from conversations too i had a chance to talk to mark davis and uh, uh, quite a few times way back and he said yeah we 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 had art books we had a big library at disney with art books and some of the the artists they they actually met i think Milt carl met picasso briefly because his wife owned a uh, uh, art print gallery on Melrose, uh-huh. and she did she did frequent trips to Europe and bought these prints from Picasso and uh, Henry Moore and whoever was doing them. And Milcar was always with her. And uh, on one trip, he met Picasso, which is was also which was also one of his uh, idols. Wow, wow! I hadn't heard that story before. That's something yeah. new. Wow. this is all family conversations yeah is uh, daughter told me that actually wow yeah.
2: so so you you did a, a lot of this animation what, what what was going through your head while you were doing this over 10 years you you wanted to do this film it was a passion film you do you did more animation than you thought you were going to do but what was the end end goal for you you wanted to put it out into the film festivals and just get it in front of people right
1: Well, I wasn't even thinking that far, to be honest. I was just thinking about finishing it the best way possible. Yeah. And uh, there was a time, I think it was maybe year six or seven, where I talked to my production partner, Roger, and uh, I said, you know, we've been at this thing for so long. Let's just get all hands on deck. Let's do a worldwide search for animators, and let's just get this thing done this year. We had like six or seven months in, in that year to go. And then he just looked at me and said, why? You don't have a studio to answer to. Uh, nobody is calling you on Friday to say where's sequence seven. You promised. You know we don't have that setup. It's an independent film, and uh, it's going to be finished when it's finished. And I thought, my God, that's actually true. Why compromise at this point in the game when we can just keep on going and and finish it the way we really want it to be and uh, and uh, do it that way? So then it took a little bit longer, but that was the philosophy behind it. So Roger was Roger was your voice of reason. He really was. He was. Uh, he was not just doing all the post production on Mushka. He was also a consultant. I remember we have a character called Alex in the film, who's sort of a, a friend from Siberia, who our main character Sarah meets. And uh, there was a time where Alex didn't seem to be that important to the story, and uh, there was uh, this one sequence where. <clears throat> uh her father and these bad miners were doing were playing cards and they were cheating they were cheating and father kept on drinking and paying and uh and, um, and in the end he didn't have anything more to to pay up and so i don't want to give away too much from from the story here but it was an important sequence to to, to show and sarah the girl in the original storyboard she was witnessing what is happening there and that because of the, the card game her tiger is now in danger <clears throat> and then roger just said why don't you have alex witness this from the outside of the house and then he warns his friend sarah so that way he has more of a of a role to play and uh, it, the weight is on him to do to decide what, what to do in this situation meaning warning her and then taking her to the forest and all that so then alex stayed in that's just because of roger yeah
2: <clears throat> wow uh you know I'm I'm curious uh now that you're finished and it's been out there where where can people uh who are listening to this podcast where would they be able to see Mushka uh, is there any place that they can view it or is it really right now in the festival circuit and uh you know it's obviously uh qualified for academy consideration and all of that but where where can the general public see it
1: yeah, it's not really out there yet. I hope it's just a, a question of time. Uh it's on for any academy member listening, it's on the academy app. Uh we'll see if we make it to the to the next voting round, fingers crossed. Um uh, but that's for academy members. Um uh, the, the general public had a chance uh, just about a week or two ago. Uh I had a screening with John Musker's film, Andrew Chessworth's film. We're all ex-Disney guys yeah. who are doing our own films. So we we combined our movies and uh, screened them in a, in a theater in Pasadena and had a keynote afterwards. So that was one occasion. Um, it also screened at LA uh, Short Fest uh, last week. Uh, the, the actual festival was in August, but they asked filmmakers, which they call the best of the best, to come back and rescreen their film. so there are these individual screenings. Um, I think eventually, uh, what I would like is have it to be at, at one of the streamers. I, I mean, ideally, it would be Disney Plus. But uh, I also understand that their rule is not to purchase any outside projects; that they only really stream what they produce from the inside. There yeah. are some exceptions. There are exceptions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some documentaries that uh, uh, a friend of ours. Yeah. Did that they that Disney Plus actually bought? So uh, I have sort of a loose date with them in January to talk to them. Okay, uh, good. But there are the there are the streamers as well. So hopefully early next year is when that conversation gets going and we're going to pitch it.
2: I always like to say when they say there's rules, those rules are flexible <laughs> when they want them to be. <laughs> absolutely,
1: absolutely. I uh, I couldn't couldn't agree more. How has the reception of the film
2: been around the world? Because I know you've put it in festivals all over the place, right?
1: Yeah, we have. And uh, uh, judging by, or when you look at the the awards that we've won, three of them actually are Kids' Choice Awards. Very nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, one in the, was in Palm Spring uh, at their short film festival. There's also one in Italy and then another one in the U.S. So kids seem to really gravitate toward the film. Um, which I, I, I sort of make this conclusion that, uh, or the idea that all all kids like drawings. You know, yeah. we all drew when we were kids, and then some kids outgrow that and get more into sports or other things, music. But uh, then th- uh, again, the idea to see drawings on the screen again—it has been a, a long time since, uh, and maybe these kids never had a chance to 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 see those. Uh, loosely drawn films from a Disney, this is a first for them but overall like I said kids really gravitated toward the film and gave us a whole bunch of awards
2: I I would argue also that the kids that watch this put themselves in the little girls uh, position of having their own pet tiger you know that that, that sort of fantasy of like god I could have a tiger someday you know
1: it was there was one little girl i showed it to a uh family friends um little daughter and she saw the movie and she was just mad, just mesmerized and said as soon as the lights on she says i want a tiger now you know that was like the first thing that came out of her mind there you go my mouth so uh yeah I'm, I'm just really happy about that uh and I, even some adults said they they gravitate toward the film and the story because Uh, They don't have a tiger, obviously, but they they sort of imagine their pet, a dog or a cat, uh, you know, having to separate, having to have yourself to separate from your pet. uh, So that touched them in in that way. They made that connection. So, yeah, I got some really heartfelt responses
2: having you know the the opportunity to finish this film after 10 years and you look back at all the trials and tribulations that go into doing these kinds of projects uh are you looking forward into the future to say i want to do another one of these uh independent films or are you sort of like i've gotten it out of my system
1: (laughs) no once you're in this sort of experimental mode and and you have to find let's say it's kind of a nice feeling, you know, that uh that you can go places uh where, where you want to go. So um uh I did crazy enough, I did get a, sort of an offer to look at a a project that was based on a book that somebody wanted me to direct as a 2D feature. Uh I don't think I'm at this point I want to do this. Uh I mean it sounds a little bit arrogant if I would say been there done that at Disney uh, it, uh but to in, to experiment right now is really the kind of a vibe that sort of hits me to yeah. do another shorter film there's nothing wrong with a 7 8 minute film either you know right uh, right but, uh, but go a little further in the in terms of character acting and the humor. I want to do something really really funny with lots of dialogue interaction, like the opposite of Mushka, basically. Sure. So sure. So I've, I've already started on the, on the project, doing some con- con- concept art, and uh, probably go, yeah, I'm going to start animating next year, early next year, on it. So now,
2: if, if 28 minutes was done in uh, 10 years, if you're going to do a seven or eight minute, are we talking maybe three and a half
1: years? It shouldn't take any time <laughs> maybe even, maybe even shorter. Uh, I just figured something, I figure a really, really simple style where the backgrounds are just indicated, you know, where the, the, the main back color, uh, background color is white and you just indicate a background and the the character will be, uh, in, uh the, the central, uh, viewpoint point. I mean, the, that would be the most important thing is really the character interaction. Uh, it's sort of like a colored pencil test if you if you want you know that that kind of a style is what i have in mind and uh, yeah i i really really want to do something funny and
2: and, you know just sitting here talking with you and hearing you explain that you 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 have uh you know that smile on your face you 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 have the twinkle in your eye you you still uh wake up every day and you're uh you're you're excited about uh uh doing drawn animation
1: well, once it's in your DNA, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really ever leave you. Um, uh, uh, that's, you know, having done this for so long at Disney, which I feel so incredibly grateful for, uh, that had, uh, that I had a chance to do this, that I was there at Disney at the right time. But now it's, it's a different chapter. Now it's, it's my, it's my personal time, you know, and, uh, and now I can do stuff that I wouldn't have a chance to do at Disney and, create my own little eccentric projects. And uh, to me, that's just really exciting. Yeah. And uh, now, that, now that the pipeline, that was another big thing. How, what kind of a pipeline are we going to use? What program? There's Harmony, there's Tomb Boom, there's, uh, we, we uh, um, ended up using TV Paint, you know, but how are we going to use that in connection with Photoshop? All that has to be worked out, but we have it now. We, we don't have to develop this uh, 2D pipeline. And that to me is like, that's a treasure to have we have it in our house we know yeah. exactly how we're gonna treat those drawings and how to get it to the screen yeah. so uh, hey, and there's, is, no, there's no shortage
2: of people who uh if you picked up the phone and said hey I uh, would you be interested in helping you know yeah. I mean you haven't gotten too many nos I'm willing to bet
1: right uh, uh especially after Mushka, more and more people came to me and said I, I would really like to work on your next project you know good uh so uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it, and uh, um, still living the mushka life because we haven't sold it yet, and uh, um, well, and, we haven't and, offered it yet. Yeah, uh, and but it's, also-
2: it's still out there. I mean, it's still yeah. may you know, it's still doing its run, and and ho- and hopefully it will become available in 24 on a streamer.
1: That's the big hope. But uh, the the wheels actually, my my body is telling me, my gosh, you haven't animated this year, which I really haven't. And that's a first, you know, that, that for yeah. this length of a, of a time not to have animated. So I'm just itching, honestly. And to put it simply, I'm just itching to get back to the drawing board and, and move something around and, and animate
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Let, let me just shift gears
2: for a second because we still have a, a little bit of time here. And I, I just want to ask you about the state of animation. Um, you know, I've had this conversation with other uh, professionals that you and I both know. Uh, And and I've I've sort of put out there that uh, there's a lot of films coming out every year and they're all sort of blending together. You know, uh, look wise. Uh, I mean, there's there there's those occasional standouts like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle feature, you know, which has a very you know unique visual style that I I thought was wow, you know, it was it was beautiful to see in a theater and and Spider Man, you know, across the Spider Verse, you know, sort of that comic book coming to life dimensionally on the screen, which is really interesting. But aside from those occasional films that come out the rest of them sort of feel almost all the same they all you you could interchange uh studio title cards uh and, and you wouldn't know which is
1: which you you could really do that and i think the audience is catching on and they're gravitating toward something that is new and exciting you look at the box office of a uh, spider-man uh, spider-verse you know uh it was gi- gigantic uh, people People will always gravitate towards something that, that is exciting that they haven't seen before. And uh and the studios are realizing that just because we have a new CG film coming out doesn't mean it's gonna it's gonna make a billion dollars. Uh it's just not happening right now. Yeah. Uh you know, so um I mean, you know, that's that's how 2D animation uh sort of was looked upon way back when uh our last few features at disney uh princess and the frog and the winnie the pooh feature and there were a few others before didn't make the box office that the company was hoping for and it was then kind of swiftly decided that's the outdated medium you know let's just stay with cg because that that's that's where the box office is well it's not the box office now no. anymore you you have to rethink your strategy and maybe it's time to i don't want to quote mufasa Remember who you are. You know this is your identity.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: the whole thing about drawing on the screen—you invented this. Remember that, you know. So yeah. maybe it has a chance of coming back. Who knows?
2: Well, I—I I mean, I actually had this conversation with uh, Al John a few weeks ago on uh, on the podcast that I I really feel like Disney Animation should take a pause right now uh, and reevaluate you know, what kind of stories they're telling, uh, because there's a disconnect with the audience. Uh, and, and that's all you have to go by is if you put something out and people don't show up to see it, there's a problem What and you have to figure out what that problem is and fix it. And right yeah. now, I think there is a disconnect. And I think, uh, um, you know, do you, do you feel it's, uh, it's almost getting to a, a place where it might be ripe? for somebody to say, we're going
1: to do a 2D feature? I, th- I just, I, I, heard, I read so many comments online after Wish came out where people said, we thought this was going to be a 2D movie, and yet it isn't. You know, yeah. there was a disappointment by quite quite a few people. And uh, maybe, maybe they're going to listen. Um, I think there's a chance to do some soul searching and, and uh, maybe find out how much less expensive 2D animation is than CG, you know, and put some effort into the, uh, into the storytelling for a new 2D, really put some effort into it, as we did way back. I mean, Aladdin, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, there was a real serious effort in terms of storytelling before we started to animate even, you know, and that, if that happens again, um, uh, that could be off and running again, uh, in terms of 2D. I, and, I, will, I would certainly hope so,
2: and it would make it an event, you know what I mean? Because I kind of feel like the last couple of years, the, the Disney films have not been event films. And you remember back in the 90s during the Renaissance, it was an event every year, you know, it was you saw it everywhere you know, the advertising, the marketing, everything. And I just didn't get that last year with strange world this year. There was a little bit more marketing than there was for strange world, but I, I still feel it, it fell flat, you know? And, uh, and, and so did the story of the, uh, in the film. I mean, I watched it and I, I was disappointed, you know? Um, so. Yeah. I
1: haven't seen the whole feature yet. Uh, but, um, I, I, I think I will eventually because I'm, I'm curious. I'm still in the business, so to speak. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, when our movies came out and we had them about once a year uh, with a new film and uh, uh, there was a strategy to how these films were promoted and put forward. And I remember, and you, you remember this, Dave, uh, before Lion King came out, the in test screenings, the the opening sequence the circle of life it got such a strong response i mean almost a standing ovation yeah you know, that, that's the opening sequence for the lion king that the studio decided to to take that footage the whole sequence and screen it in disney stores all over the country yeah and i remember being in, in the glendale galleria and uh, just looking for something at the disney store and uh, they had their screen there and the song came on and uh I literally looked around, and everybody who was in the store stopped shopping, and their their head turned toward the screen with their mouth wide open, like, what is this? They were completely, utterly fascinated by it. And so it was really smart to uh, do that uh, because it hadn't been done before, and it grabbed people, it got people into the theater, and, uh, and we did so many other things, presentations with real lions, uh, in yeah. reference, studying real lines, you know, for for the animation. So, uh, they were very serious about marketing those films, and that that has that's a lot less so these days.
2: Yeah and and that's that's contributing to that blending in with all the other films that are coming out you know cuz people i don't even think you know are are understanding who's doing what anymore you know and and that's that's kind of a shame uh, i i did um uh uh want to ask you when you do watch wish would you really pay attention and i know you're going to and I don't even need to say this but I'm going to say it anyway really watch the animation because I was really taken aback by how uh it, it's it's it, it it went backwards to me uh the animation in comparison to all of those you know, those great animators during the golden age who developed the Disney process and refined the Disney process, you know, the milk calls and the Frank and Ollie's and the wards and all of those guys and and the fact that they passed that knowledge down to you know this next generation to you and to you know uh uh glenn and you know to to all of those animators that were coming in back in the late 70s and early 80s i feel like they went backwards i really do what,
1: what, what stuck out to me dave was when i saw the promotions and the trailers is that a lot of the motion uh on the human characters you know especially seemed uh, based on a live performance, and I don't know if the animators were filming themselves or if they had somebody in. I mean, we 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 did the same thing, you know. We we had a, a girl coming in to play Ariel, an, a, an actress or an actor to play out scenes for Gastons, but but boy, we interpreted that, you know. We we exactly. changed we changed it up and made it our own, uh, and uh, it had our personal filter. But I don't see a filter anymore. I, if I squeeze my eyes slightly and look at scenes from Wish, it looks like live action.
2: Right. Yeah. It it it, it 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 wasn't snappy. It didn't have those strong poses. It uh it, it it felt at times a little bit on the floaty side. You know what I mean? Uh. I I was really, you know, uh, just shocked by it, quite frankly. Anyway, listen, I didn't want to drive too far off into that, but I did want to spend a few minutes talking about all the films that are out in the world, um, uh, and get your thoughts on it. But back to Mushka, what is the next step with Mushka? You're waiting to find out if you make the next stage in the academy. Uh, the, the yeah, I think
1: academy. we're trying, I think we're finding out on Thursday if if we make the shortlist. Is, is that um, this
2: this Thursday? Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, okay. so it's,
1: it's coming it's coming right up, and we're just fingers crossed. On the other hand, if we don't make the shortlist, and later on if we don't get nominated, it's not the end of the world because. Right. Uh, I just know I made a film that connects with people, and uh, I know this from all these screenings that we had worldwide, and uh, and that's enough. The, the feedback, you know, and uh, uh, I think what might have what might happen is that uh, the movie uh, we are going to approach uh, uh, the screening companies, you know, starting with Disney, um, and I think what might happen is that I'm going to sell the film for a certain amount of time but where it can be streamed on one uh, yeah. uh, streamer and then it moves on to another one you see several movies doing that anyway you know yeah. so so you can see it on this streamer then next year it's going to be on that streamer. i think that that's more likely than a wholesale where you yeah. give all the right away wage, everything. It's my
2: rough guess. Yeah, at, at, at and, you know, and I always think with when, when you know when you're making a film, you're not making a film to say we're going to win awards. You're making a film to fulfill a dream, to tell a story, to you know exercise your artistic muscles, uh and then you put it out in the world, and it's already won. It's won awards. So you you may not get all of them. You may get some of them. You may get. You know, the, the ones that really make it shine, who knows? I, I don't know. But like you said, it's, it's not about the awards. It's about the film connecting with the audience.
1: Which is still my... My favorite uh, uh, pastime after a film is done uh, way back at Disney too, you know, to be in the audience in Westwood or in Burbank or somewhere and uh, nobody knows you and you're right in the middle in the theater and you watch Aladdin and these people see Aladdin for the first time and then your scenes come on, you know, and you want to see how they react and they laugh and they, uh, and they are with it, with your character and that is there's just no feeling like that and uh,
2: no there isn't and that and that's really that's why we did what we did right exactly you know because i was yeah i was the same way i was going to say i mean uh, every movie that i ever worked on i always went out to the local theater i wanted to see it with a real
1: audience it's the best because uh when you see it with the crew you are all so critical and yeah we had some very good cast and crew streams of course but you can sense that people are still looking at it with a critical eye and still wanting to change things that, that they were a part of but it's it's so much better to see it with the regular audience and and get their their feedback uh i'll give you one little example um hope i didn't talk about that in the previous podcast but there was a Beauty and the Beast test screening years ago. The film was about half done. And uh uh I I snuck into that, that screening, and um my scene or my sequence comes on where Gaston bursts into Belle's house and he just makes a statement he's gonna marry her. He's not even not even gonna ask her, you know, talking about the family that they're gonna have. And there were two teenage girls sitting in front of me, and one leaned over toward the other, I swear to you, and she says, I dated him last year, you know, and, <laughs> and and it tells you that she saw a real person in yeah. in this in these animated drawings. You know, she yeah. she saw a type that she it actually recognized. It was so satisfying to hear that. That that's that's so awesome.
2: Well, Andreas. I want to say thank you very much for coming back on the Skull Rock podcast. I know this is certainly not going to be the last time. We're going to have you back again in the future, but uh, it was it's always wonderful to talk to you and get your perspective on animation and to, to really let our listeners know about Mushka and for them to keep their eyes open uh, for screenings that are happening and potentially uh, for it to be on a uh, a streaming service in the spring, hopefully.
1: That's the idea. Tell, tell everybody, stay tuned. Uh, right now, check for the, for the time being, check out our Mushka website, uh, check out the trailer. We just posted recently a few behind the scenes, um, montage scenes where people can find out about the artist. But uh, hopefully, yeah, the plan is to have it on, on the streamer as soon as possible.
2: All right. Is it Mushka.com?
1: it's
2: mushkathefilm.com I I think mushkathefilm.com well with that Andreas one last thing I want you to know this is the uh, first podcast the first Skull Rock podcast of 2024
1: hooray so happy new year
2: happy new year to
1: you too and Merry
0: become a supporter of Skull Rock podcast with small monthly donations to help sustain future episodes for just 99 cents a month You can do that just like Lindsay and Joshua. Thank you so much for your support of our show. Be sure to click our link to support the show at SkullRockPodcast.com forward slash support. Hi, this is former Disneyland art director Tom Butch, and you're listening to the Skull Rock Podcast.
1: Your attention, please. Now loading on track number one. For a trip around Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom. Skull Rock Podcast. All aboard. Your main street to the world of Disney.
0: I tell you what, man, it's so great to have Andreas back on the show. Uh, Just an amazing personality. Super talented, but of course, uh, he's got a great heart. So uh, uh, once again, always great to have Andreas back on the show.
2: Yeah. You know, he's, he's such a great guy and uh, just an incredible talent. Uh, And I really hope that, you know, Disney plus or one of the streamers picks up Mushka and runs it because I think, especially in the Disney universe, people are going to want to see this. It's a beautifully done uh, short film.
0: I think it would be great if Disney plus was able to take a lot of the you know the animators from the pantheon of of animators and actually have provide a showcase for them so that the 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 art form moves forward and continually showcases great artists and, and their talent and uh that would be great and i think the disney fans would completely eat it up
2: Yeah, You know, I, I agree with you on that. I, I, I really do. And I think that, you know, the foundation of the Walt Disney company, the cornerstone of the Walt Disney company is animation. Uh, And uh, I think, I think Disney should be a little bit more involved in uh, uh, in sort of showcasing animation talent, whether it's, whether it's short films that they've done, or short films that were, you know, done by animators around the world. Sure. Uh, oh, yeah. But yeah, you know, it should be just a celebration of animation as an art form. Exactly. Uh, and, and and by the way, you know, Walt Disney and his artists they help shape what is modern day feature animation. They put in, you know, they they develop the 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 principles of animation. Uh, they put in an animation process that people have followed for decades. Uh, and, uh, quite frankly, uh, they should do a little bit more, uh, in celebrating animation in general.
0: Well, there you go. Uh, just another idea, Bob, for the next, uh, piece of content, uh, that you can showcase on these, uh, great Disney plus tiles. So, uh, I'm with you 100%, Dave, let's, let's make it happen. And, uh, make some change happen and add more great content to disney plus anyway i hope you enjoyed today's new year's edition of skull rock podcast featuring disney legend andreas deja if you want to know more there are links uh to andreas work in the show notes just like a lot of our guests as well Um, there are actually also links uh, that you can leave us voicemail messages and interact with us. We'd love to play a voicemail of yours in an upcoming episode of Skull Rock Podcast, much like your emails. You can email me at aljohn, A-L-J-O-N, at skullrockpodcast.com or dave at skullrockpodcast.com. You can also give us those five-star reviews. Everything really helps the algorithm no matter where you subscribe to us. You can even stream us online at skullrockpodcast.com. Uh, Follow us on all the socials, Facebook, X, LinkedIn, where Dave and I both are, as well as Instagram. And uh, just a quick plug, you can also check out my show, Dining at Disney, uh, released twice a week. And uh, thank you so much. And I hope you had such a great new year. And we look forward to more great content this year on Skull Rock Podcast and another another great hundred plus shows with you, Dave.
2: There we go. I, I, you know, I have to say, Al, John, uh, you know, we are now in our fourth year of the Skull Rock Podcast. Uh, I can't even believe that it's already twenty twenty four. I can't either. I I really, I hope all of our listeners had a wonderful, uh, happy, safe, uh, celebratory New Year. Uh, and we look forward to, we, we've, we've got, uh, interviews with some great artists coming up in in the coming months. Uh, so keep tuning in to the skull rock podcast. Uh, and also next week, Al John and I are going to give some predictions
0: for 2024, uh, which I think is going to be rather fun. Nice. Well, I'm going to have to bone up. I've got a lot of content to, to digest. There you go. <laughs>
2: there and, and, yeah, and with that, I'm just going to say, you know, go out and have a fantastic first week of 2024. Be safe. Be kind to one another. And we'll see you back here next week on the Skull Rock Podcast.